You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Last week's sermon was called Someone Stronger, and that's the idea Rich and I were working with today in our discussion. And the whole thing is kind of about spiritual warfare, and I know that's a phrase that kind of gets thrown around a lot nowadays. So that makes it all the more important to really get down to what Jesus is talking about here. And as Christians, how we can handle spiritual warfare, what's expected of us, what we can do to really put on the armor of God and and handle these dark forces. So learning as much as we can about that is really essential. And, and Jesus goes into that more in Luke. And so hopefully we answered some of your questions in this episode. But like I say at the end, you know, don't be afraid to to continue to send in questions, and we will definitely get to them at some point in time. This is a subject that could probably have 12 episodes just devoted to it. As you can see, we, or you will hear, we, uh, we had a tough time staying within our 30-minute time limit for the episode. So yeah, as always, if you have more questions, let us know. But without further ado, here is Someone Stronger. Hello, Rich. Hey there. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Don't tell me how you are because you're in Florida. <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, it's a little tough down here. We're struggling. I was having a hard time deciding whether to wear jeans or shorts today because it uh, looks like it's in the 60s. And, you know, it's, it's a struggle. The struggle, struggle is real. I'm yeah. looking out my window and I can't see out my window because of the snow. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, I heard it was single digits at home last Yeah, night. it's a little... A little breezy, but you know, it's also Michigan, so it's to be expected, right? That is true. Can't complain. So if, you if are you're watching baseball, this is a much better situation for watching baseball. Sixties usually much that better. Could be a new, that could be a new sport like ice baseball or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not for me, however. I, I actually so, don't like it real hot. You know, I like uh you know, fall weather kind of stuff. So same pretty good for me. I I mean I I can dig seventies. Uh, it gets in the 80s and I start getting a little bit uh, testy. So, yeah, uh, then I have to switch to iced coffee. <laughs> well, one way or another, I appreciate all the seasons. I think uh, it's as if God knows what He's doing. He's done a wonderful. Imagine that. Yeah. So you are in Florida, which is why we are a not live streaming the podcast today and b uh, recording via telephone conversation. So. Um, I am at home, so I apologize in advance for any dogs barking in the distance, but <laughs> you get what you get. Um, and I apologize so, that I'm a little throaty today, but you know, I am a little gunky, so there you go. <laughs> um, so we are still going to talk about uh, what we what the sermon was last week, and we touched on it in the previous podcast. And I think you know we have a lot of there's a lot of stuff here, and. Um, mm. We, Probably we more than a, we can care. Than we can. Right. And so there's there's a lot of questions that we can go through, and I hope we can get to uh, the majority of them. Um, so like, I, I think we should just dive in. Um, so if you want to give some kind of little quick summary before we get into it of, of what we're going to be talking about today, that'd be great. <clears throat> um, sure. Yeah, we were in Luke 11 again, and we were focused in particularly on verses 11 to 28. Um which is comes directly after our Lord's teaching on prayer. And we saw previously that 
you know, prayer isn't necessarily some of the stuff that we make it out to be. It's about relationship, right. not about ritual. And we sometimes will make it into a, a ritualistic religious thing that we do rather than a conversation uh, that we have with someone that, um, that we love uh, on a personal level, but also uh, is the master of the universe, the, the creator of all things. And so uh, it's appropriate to see this father child relationship that Jesus put in there. And so then after he, <clears throat> excuse me, talks about prayer and, and really kind of the simplicity of it, uh, which is, it's not just different for us. That was dramatically different for them as well. They were, you know, highly religious people. Right. Um, but then he goes right into this next event. And we don't know that any of these things are stacked chronologically, except for when we're told that that wasn't right. his purpose. He's compiling information. And so some of it um, is consciously not intended to be uh, chronological. Some people will criticize the scriptures for that, but depending on any particular genre of writing or purpose of writing as an, as an author, as a writer, and, and you do this for a living, you're going to write differently. The things that you put, the, right. the order you put them in, the approach, some things are more formal, some are less formal, some are uh, promoting a particular argument, some are just recounting events. So each of the gospel writers has a different perspective, a different purpose in writing, uh, and that accounts for why we see some of the things that um, don't really um, sync up chronologically as we might expect them to. Uh, it was exactly what they intended for it to be and exactly what the Lord, uh, as he inspired them, intended it to be. <clears throat> However, uh, as we're looking at this, he teaches about prayer. He makes this connection um, that God's a good father. He doesn't give us bad things. You know, when we're asking for, uh, he gives the example of he asked for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Uh, the idea is that God doesn't give reluctantly and he doesn't give badly, but he gives to his children. And then right after that, in verse 14, we see that Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke and the crowd was amazed. And that's really all he says about the event because he's already covered similar events. Right. Uh, two times. <clears throat> Jesus has been but, doing this for a while. Right. Yeah. So the focus here is on what happens next, this accusation. Uh, some of them said by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. And we didn't really go into the whole Beelzebul or Beelzebub. It's the same thing, right. the same name. Um, and and that comes from uh, from the ancient uh, name, one of the names for Baal. For the, um, uh, there are several Baals, and um, <clears throat> Baal just simply means Lord. And so we see that used uh, in the Old Testament in a variety of ways. But when we see the Baal idols, the Baal really demons behind those idols, um, Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. You may recognize that particular phrase from... Uh, not Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> not Jeff Goldblum. However, as, uh, th that was the purpose. That was where that name came from for the yeah, story. True. But uh, Beelzebub is a variant of that. It means Lord of the House, and it fits really well, or Lord of the Dwelling fits really well with the illustration that Jesus is playing off of that. Anyhow, uh, they accuse him of casting out demons because he himself was from Satan. So um, Beelzebul, Beelzebub, pretty common names for them for, right. for, at that time uh, for the devil. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he, 
he just goes right to the mat with them and, and says, okay, first off, your argument is illogical. What you're accusing me of doesn't work. How can Satan fight against himself? We'd never get anything accomplished. Right. So in that process, we see that Jesus believes in a very real uh, person of Satan, of the devil, mm-hmm. and a unified, organized force, a kingdom, which speaks to authority and submission, as everything in the universe does. And so Jesus is, is just saying here that the devil is real. The devil is organized. There is a, a, a unity within that. Even in this evil force, demons aren't simply chaotic. Right. Uh, they are strategically operating uh, as any army or kingdom would under the authority of a leader. So, um, so he refutes that. Then he goes on to say, well, with your own followers, the, with the Jews, are you casting out demons by Beelzebub? Um, and there, I've seen a few different takes on this. Most say he's saying that you are casting out demons. So why do you say that you're able to do that? Not in the name of Satan, right? Uh, but doing it in the name of God. Therefore, you know, they'll be your judges. Um, but it's not clear. Uh, it's not really clear for sure if that's what he's saying, or if he's saying your guys aren't casting out demons at all. So there's your testimony against them. If they, if they were really bringing the authority of God, why aren't these good things happening among your followers? Right. So either way, <clears throat> either irrelevant. way, they're going to be your judges. Right. right. They're, they're going to stand against you. That reminds me a little bit of uh, D.L. Moody, a uh, great, um, great 19th century preacher and evangelist. And, um, he, you know, was a shoe salesman before he became a preacher. And a woman confronted him one day and, and said, you know, Mr. Moody, I really don't, uh, I don't like the way you do evangelism. And he said, well, what methods do you use for your evangelism? And she said, well, I don't. And he said, well, Adam, I much prefer my method of doing evangelism <laughs> to your method of not doing evangelism. And so Jesus has is, is got a little bit of that in here, whether uh, whether that's his intent or just what I'm taking from it. That It reminded me of that, uh, of that particular story. So Jesus goes on to talk about the devil as a strong man, right. fully armed, uh, armored and and. and guarding his stuff and, and uh, keeping hold of his possessions. This world, as we see throughout the New Testament, uh, we see it in the Old Testament as well, but specifically stated in the, uh, in the epistles, he, he basically owns this world for this time until, until his time has come. Uh, you can hear that we have a dog here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's Emily, not mine. No, my daughter-in-law, Emily, brought, brought their dog, Max. Uh, so she drove out and met us. Anyhow, uh, so the devil is in control. He rules this world for this time. And that time is limited. God remains sovereign over all. But within that, he has allowed this to take place. And Jesus describes himself then in verse 22 as the someone stronger who comes, attacks, overpowers him, takes away, defeats his armor, uh, and divides up his plunder, takes what belonged to the man, to the strong man. That's us. We once belonged to the enemy. And we have been taken from the enemy when he was defeated at the cross and when we uh, receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and we become uh, children of God. And then he goes on to make this statement in verse 23, uh, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So it's related specifically to what he's talking about here uh, in this particular passage. 
you mentioned that uh, you touched on it last week in our in our something to think about uh, podcast that he it can seem when he's saying that almost contradictory to to something he said before. To, to Luke nine, yeah, in Luke nine fifty, he says kind of the opposite. Uh, the uh, disciples, John specifically, comes to him and, and says, "Hey, we encountered a man who's out here casting out demons in your name, but he wasn't part of our group, so we." And Jesus said, "Let him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we told him to stop because he's not part of us. And Jesus said, this guy who's out here doing things in my name, he may not be a part of our particular uh, gathering, our particular group. But if he's not opposing me, if he's not, if he's doing things on my behalf and he's not opposing me, or he's not twisting it, then he's on our side. Right. So what he's promoting in 950 is a unity among believers, those who have uh, uh, have come to realize that Christ is the Messiah and have embraced that work and that power. This man, for one thing, based on what he's saying here, if he weren't of Christ, he would not have been able to, to order demons to leave in the name or by the authority of Christ. You can't just go out with some magical right. incantation and invoke a name that you're not associated with. Right. So as he is doing this, clearly the man that they're telling to stop believed in jesus and um so then he was claiming that authority over these demons jesus is promoting unity in that passage in this passage the words sound similar and that's what makes it confusing but he's actually talking about something entirely different here he's talking about the spiritual battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light the forces of the enemy and the world and the forces of god and so anybody who is not on god's side is belonging to the enemy whoever's Mm -hmm. not with me is against me so you're either all in with jesus or or you're on the other side so it sounds like he's saying something different but essentially he's saying the same thing well actually it's two unrelated things so it's well well, well, yeah because of the phrasing but but yeah he's not contradicting himself right right he's talking about two different things and and you know we do that in regular language all the time where we you know in a certain context we might use words that sound similar to something that we said you know a few days before or 10 minutes before right uh, in a different context and we mean them differently because we're talking about different things and that's what's happening here uh whoever's whoever doesn't gather with me scatters those who are who are part of the kingdom work on behalf of the kingdom in gathering in he's used that phrasing about um evangelism and getting the the good news to the lost gathering in those who belong to god whom god has called and if you're not doing that if you're not working for the kingdom with the lord then you're you're countering that work you become a drag on the kingdom work rather than uh promoting right and the duty he was talking about earlier was right he's doing the work right just was from if we could say right. a different denomination right so right, right. you know in you know denomination meaning grouping if we were to use that language then maybe that helps us to see right he's promoting unity among believers even if we are different even if you're you know maybe you're a, a methodist and this person's a baptist and right that person's a presbyterian you're all uh, essentially on the same team here right the the bottom line is are you with christ right so here he's saying, if you're not with Christ, you're on the opposite team. I think it's important to get that distinction to to not confuse ourselves. <laughs> you know, it really is because we spend a lot of time 
focusing on our divisions right. rather than our, our unity. And so John, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm saying more than is said in the text. And I, I, I want to always be very careful about that, especially when we're talking about spiritual warfare. I think there's a lot of stuff out there that mm-hmm. goes beyond the text, but you know, looking at what John is doing here, it, it seems very, very similar to what we tend to do as we, um, as we get focused in on our differences. So there are uh, various, I hate to use the, the term gray areas, but there, there are non-essentials um, in the faith, things that we can disagree about that mm-hmm. the scripture doesn't explicitly state that we can say, well, maybe it says this, maybe it doesn't. We have a tendency. And to we love to do that. <laughs> yeah. So we get, we get really caught up in non-essentials while we disregard the weight and importance of essentials right so we welcome people who for example uh don't believe in the trinity we're mm-hmm. going to say oh no that you know clearly you know this idea of three uh persons of god one god and three persons that's not scriptural we're not you know going with that <clears throat> well that has been dealt with throughout the church history uh in various uh, various forms of heresy determined um, by those who committed their lives to it, those who knew the apostles, those who walked among the apostles. But today, because that's not our current issue that we're hot on, we'll kick that to the curb and we'll accept anybody, whether right. they're a modalist, whatever Sabellian heresy they've, they've taken hold of. That, you know, We'll bring folks in that are completely outside of the Orthodox faith handed down by the apostles, but we'll get completely hung up on mode of baptism, you know, and, and coming from a, a Baptistic perspective at real life uh, where we believe that the, the right biblical, and, and we make no bones about it. We believe this is what God intends right. is uh, believers baptism by immersion by uh, of those who have chosen to identify with Christ in his church. But, there are good legitimate arguments from a different background make that interpret the same verses differently, still submitting to the authority of God's word. And yet we're, we're maybe wrestling over the importance of mode or the timing of that baptism and so on. And those, I think those arguments are valid, but that doesn't mean that we don't do gospel work with Presbyterians right. because they believe in baptizing infants. Right. They, they read the same scriptures. They see the same things. We disagree on various aspects of it that theologians would often refer to as non-essentials. And that is super important to each of us. They're going to fight for their perspective. I'm going to fight for my perspective. And that's good and right and true. And yet in the end, we're still brothers. Mm-hmm. And if you have brothers and sisters, then, you know, sometimes you fight over things right. still united. And that's that's what Jesus was talking about in chapter nine. And we need to know the difference between standing together with those who belong to the same family with whom we may disagree on various points and standing against that which is outside coming against the kingdom, fighting against the family. We want to stand against that which is a tough balance for, for Christ followers. I don't want to go off on a different tangent here, but just to plant a seed maybe for a later podcast. Um, it's a very difficult balance to find standing against the kingdom of darkness while at the same time 
seeking to uh, to spread the gospel of light to others, to welcome those who are in the kingdom to this kingdom, to bring them to Jesus at the same time as we're standing against the evil that they now see as normal and, and regular mainstream. I think that's that's a good way to, um, you know, kind of lead into, into some of these questions we have here, you know, as a whole, uh, no matter what denomination you may be, no matter you know, what group you belong to, if, if you identify yourself as a Christ follower and you want to stand against that darkness and stand against the enemy, it's impossible not to, to be here and realize that if, you, if you're a Christian, that, yeah, there are dark forces all around. That's real. And they're, right. they're trying to, to win you over, essentially. And, and that's terrifying. I mean, that's scary. It can and, be. And so, A, how do we handle that? And, and, and you know, how do we recognize that and, and work through that fear? And B, you know, I, this was a, a question that, that uh, you brought up, but I've also thought this myself. Uh, yeah, I consider myself a follower of Christ. So can Christians, um, you know, even if, if we stand against that darkness and no matter how, how, how hard we fight, can a Christian be succumbed to those things? Can we be possessed by a demon or, or can a demon dwell in our home even or, or whatever? And how do we, how do we handle all of the the little intricacies of that? Because that's quite frightening when you think about it. It certainly can be. And I think one of the things that makes it more difficult is that we, um, and I don't want to make more... it sound like superstitious or anything like that. Oh, like, Oh, I'm going to be possessed by demon. And they're, they're, there are a lot of superstitions that go along with it, but, uh, and, and there's a fine line sometimes between those uh, fears that we might consider superstitious. Those are usually the fears that we see in others and those fears that, that might be more legitimate because my fears are legitimate and yours are superstitious. Right. But, but the, the thing that can kind of make this difficult is we've added so much to the scripture and we've ignored so much of what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. So over the history of, uh, the last, you know, 2,000 plus years of the church, um, we have developed systems and organizations, and we've seen the, these various things come up that are not rooted to Scripture. So, um, side question that relates to this, how do we know when we're receiving right doctrine, right teaching? And one of the things that we must, the key thing that we must be able to see is, how does this connect, how does this tie to the scripture itself and having a, a proper hermeneutic or uh, uh, means or, or method or philosophy of interpreting the scripture, that's what hermeneutic is, is this interpretation concept. To be able to look at the scripture for what it is puts us in a position where we can understand what God is saying to us. When we create a framework or a filter through which we then go back and look at the scripture, already having various beliefs. Now I end up finding texts that fit my preconceptions, and that causes a lot of confusion about this. So when we talk about can Christians be possessed and and so on, we need to recognize we don't see a whole lot of this, um, a whole lot of the spiritual warfare concepts that we talk about today actually in Scripture. But we do see the picture of a lot of this. So when we use the term possession— and we see this. I, pretty I think clearly. what comes in a lot of people's mind when you is you know like the Exorcist, the exorcist and things like that, that spitting right. out pea soup or whatever. <laughs> Probably got a little Linda Blair thing. Right, right, right. But as as we look at this, the picture that we see in the New Testament, as Jesus is casting these demons out of these 
individuals. This would be what we what we refer to as possession in most settings. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about this. Um, the, the demon or demons, we see that it can be multiple, uh, actually dwell within this person, control their mind and body and whatever, control their body through their mind, most likely. Um, but that's that's beyond my ken to be able to, to grasp that. But one way or another, in whatever form, the demon is has control or possession of this individual and causes them to do various things. We see everything from seizures to violence uh, to blasphemous things being said, <clears throat> and they're being controlled by these demons. That's what we refer to as possession. So the answer to that question is absolutely not. A Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit because a Christian, by definition, is already possessed by the Holy Spirit. So if I am a Christ follower, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, you not know that you're a temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if I am God's temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in me, the only way that... A, there ain't no room for a demon. There isn't. Absolutely <laughs> right. And so the only way that a demon could possess me as a believer is if the demon is more powerful than the Spirit of God. Right. Well, that's absolutely not even on the same level. There's no comparison. So when we often think of, and I apologize if I get all over the place, there's a lot of things. No, yeah, there's a lot here. Uh, We look at the spiritual battle as if it's between God and the devil. There is no battle between God and the devil, or it's very simple. God says, we're done. Right. The devil ceases to exist. The battle is between the forces of evil and the forces of God. So the devil is a, a created being, an angel equivalent to, uh, you know, Michael, the archangel, perhaps, as we would see that sort of a parallel in scripture. Uh, we, we see Michael referred to a couple of times <clears throat> in Jude in particular. We see Michael uh, doing uh, personal uh, combat or debate with, with the devil. Uh, but never at any point does Satan have the opportunity the wherewithal he doesn't even attempt to attack god directly that's foolish and he's not foolish right in that, in that sense um so the battle is between this foe and the followers of god angels and humans created in god's image and he hates humans created in god's image even more than he hates angels because we are the ones that god has created in his image we are lesser beings as far as uh power and ability and so on but god has set himself set set his heart on us he created us to carry forth his uh his image and his mission uh and he didn't send his son to die for angels he sent his son to die for us Mm -hmm. so anyway back to the the idea no absolutely not A, a christian cannot be possessed by a demon however a Christian can be influenced and tormented just as I can be influenced and tormented by an annoying dog next door or by, you know, it could be on a chain, but it's still there yapping, trying to get at me. Uh, I can be tormented by a, a human enemy who wants to continue to do things. Uh, and, and one of the devil's biggest tools is what we in our current uh, lingo might call fake news that the devil is constantly using 
propaganda to win this battle for our mind, to get us to believe that things that are true are not true, to get us to, to believe that things that are not true are true. Mm-hmm. So then we begin to doubt the word of God. So this, the, the real battleground that we see is for the mind and particularly uh, as we understand the word of God. If he gets us to stay out of God's word or gets us to uh, misunderstand, misapply, uh, turn God's word into some sort of a, a you know, magic book with formulas and, and things like that. If he gets us to do battle with him on that level, he's already won before the battle starts. Well, and even I, if we win, even I, if we win a particular battle because of some incantation, <laughs> and he decides to leave. He he gives in on an exorcism so that we go with some uh, crazy religious formula. Well, that that's important to note because there are a lot of you know books and movies and whatever about Absolutely. this you know yeah and, and there are because that's dramatic right? right so you know if you make a movie like the exorcist or you know who knows rosemary's baby whatever these i haven't seen most of these movies because <laughs> um, when it's clearly not something from scripture i'm not playing with it i'm not right. why would i want to feed that garbage right right my? right so when you make those kinds of movies and it draws people's attention and it gets uh, that drama and sells a lot of tickets, people believe it. People buy into it. There's so much of the ghost hunting and so on. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're going to run out of time and not be able to deal with all these things. <laughs> but, you know, people misunderstand how these things work. That ghost that you're seeing or chasing after is not that's not uh, grandma coming back to visit you. That is a demon coming in the form of a familiar spirit to deceive you. And you need to run from that. That that is not in any way in keeping with the goodness of God's kingdom, Uh, which again, we'll have to develop at another time, but flee from those things. That's, those are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of. If it's not a hundred percent in keeping with, with the clear teaching of scripture, then we should be running. And that's why James says in verse uh, chapter four, verse seven, that was our memory verse from Sunday, that we need to submit ourselves then to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from us because we can. When we stand in the authority of the scripture, when we submit to God, when we know the word and we do the word, that's the clear teaching from beginning to end. Hear God's word, know it, receive it and do it. If you don't know it, you can't do it. If you don't do it, it means nothing to you. But if we will simply learn the scriptures and obey God's word, then the devil will not be able to win those battles for our mind. He won't be able to overcome us. He'll still torment us like the yapping dog next door, but he is on a chain and can't do anything. And that's, I mean, we're, we're running out of time here, like you said, it, but I think that's a good way to, to wrap this up because that's essentially the bottom line here. And I think one of the reasons that there are so many questions about this topic or, or we have so many thoughts about it is, is, is partially because it has been uh, emphasized and dramatized and, and put out there in our world, in our pop culture, in our, in our religions. And absolutely. Yeah. And so we have specific views on it and it's become, it's become so ingrained in us that it's a scary and b hard to get out of our heads. But when it comes down to it, like you just said, it's scripture or nothing. And it's always a matter of authority. 
right. who is actually in charge, who is actually the stronger of the combatants. And the devil is a strong man. I cannot beat him on my own. I don't have, if, if it's me versus him, I lose that battle every time. But if it's Jesus versus him, Jesus can't lose that battle. My role in this is to be in Christ. If I'm in Christ, then I have authority over the highest ranking demon, Satan himself, because I wear the authority of Christ. And he does, he, there's nothing that he can do to a believer. He doesn't have the authority to, or the power to take what Christ owns. Right. But if I, if I don't belong to Christ, if I'm trying to do this through religious means or through some other sort of a thing, and it's about me, I lose that every single time. So it's, I, I, I want to just kind of close. I, I know I've gone over, but you know, there's so many books and things out there about spiritual warfare. Most of them, I, I, I don't mean to be a, a jerk about it. And people put a lot more study into it than I have. I don't want to speak beyond the things that I know, but I will say most of what is out there is garbage. There are some really good ones. And uh, my, my recommendation would be if you're going to find anything to study spiritual warfare, Find materials from those who are already established as sound, non-dramatic Bible teachers whose focus is always on the scripture. Tony Evans has a book on spiritual warfare, which I, I, I recommend only because I know Tony Evans. I haven't read the book, but I know Tony Evans. Therefore, mm -hmm. I know the authority that he is standing on, and that's the word of God only, not his speculation. So uh, there's a, a, a book that gets classified as spiritual warfare a lot. Uh, called Victory Over the Darkness. There's another one that goes along with it, um, the, the, the Bondage Breaker. And they get classified, they're by uh, Dr. Uh, Neil Anderson, and they get classified as spiritual warfare because they address interactions and, and defeating the torment of demons and so on. But the focus is really on discipleship. Mm -hmm. If you want to overcome the devil, then get close to the Lord. If you are close to the Lord, if you know and obey the word of God, then the devil can't harm you. He can't deceive you because you know the truth. And the more we stand in the truth, the less impact the devil's lies will ever have on us. Period. <laughs> Period. I apologize for going over. That's all right. It was only a minute. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about Florida at the beginning, so it's okay. Uh, we will we will stop there for today. I'm sure we could probably double the length of this with, with all the yeah. with all the questions going on but uh enjoy the rest of your time there um uh, enjoy the time up there without me i <laughs> i will i don't know how to answer that um <laughs> so we will be back on friday with our regularly scheduled podcast and hopefully it'll be a our regular in-person one and not over the phone um so so if as always if you guys have any questions you know this, these topics don't just go away um so if you do ever have a question about something we've talked about in one of these discussions, you know, feel free to send us an email, uh, leave a voicemail. If you know us personally, talk to us, send us a message, and you know, we're happy to, to bring it up. These things don't just disappear once we're done talking about them on, on an episode. So, Absolutely. With, so if it doesn't fit into a topic we're dealing with at that moment, we may be able to collect those right. and do a special uh, thing at some other time to deal with some of those questions. Word. Good call. All right. And with that, we will leave you for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks.